Welcome to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. We help CEOs stop leaving money on the table while sustaining profitability to fund managed growth. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is basically CEOs helping other CEOs with tips, tools, and techniques to implement company projects or other work activities on time, on target, and on budget. Let's spend the next 30 minutes together with my guest CEO and maybe learn some different tools to put into your CEO toolbox. Welcome listeners to the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. The CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast is a podcast by CEOs for CEOs seeking to sustain profitability to fund managed growth. I'm Wayne Washington, founder and CEO of Grow Company Profits. All of my CEO guests successfully operate companies with annual revenue in excess of $3 million. Today, I have Miss Marissa Schwartz. She is the founder and CEO of, I love this name, Dr. Rissy's Writings. And she's going to tell us more about Dr. Rissy's Writings in a little bit. But if you want to know more about her company, she can be found at marissaschwartz.com. So let's go from there. Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I try to get very direct and go right to the point because everybody's time is valuable. So let's talk about Marissa, your starter story. Well, I call it your starter story. And we talk about Dr. Rissy's writings, the idea come from, how'd you get started? Yeah, none of it was planned. It was all, I was a student at a biomedical science academy. And I found myself rushing through my biomedical science work to focus on my own writing and editing. And my friends were getting jobs at the mall and even we were in biomed. So internships at hospitals and none of them were happy with those positions. And I couldn't imagine doing something that I wasn't enjoying. And I was already speeding through my work to do what I really enjoyed. So my mother actually read an article about freelancing and she told me some websites to go and, and start freelancing. So I went to Fiverr. I was 17 years old and I went to Fiverr.com and said, Hey, for $5, I'll edit like five pages of work. I was very much undervaluing myself but I was 17. It was okay. And I edited my first project was a children's horror book. She was very happy with that. She recommended me to a friend who recommended me to another friend. And before I knew it, I had a little editing and business that turned into copywriting, which turned into SEO. Fast forward to college and even some grad school, I continued freelancing and having clients ask me for graphic design work and things that I didn't do. But because I was a student, I knew people with skills that complemented my own. So I hired my first two team members while I was in school. And uh, that was when I incorporated. I called it Dr. Rissy's Writing because by the time I incorporated, I was in grad school. I earned my doctorate in writing and before that, my master's in corporate public communication. So I called it Dr. Rissy's because I knew I was going to have that doctorate. And I just grew the company from there, grew our team, and I just kept getting clients and, and helping them to grow. 
it sounded like you, you were doing what you loved from the from day one, and it sounded like you're still doing what you love. Back then, when you decided to create Dr. Rissy's writing, did you have a vision? Did you know where you wanted to take it, or you just wanted to continue doing it? When you started it, what was that vision? I knew that I liked writing. I mean, my free time, all I do is read books and write my own, usually nonfiction thoughts on things. So I knew if I was able to do something like that, it would be a dream. To be honest though, because I was at such a young age and I didn't really know how the world worked, I didn't have a lot of confidence. I thought, well, I'm going to do this as long as I can. I know I'll probably have to get a job in an office one day, but let me see how long I can follow my passions while I'm still young and I have the opportunity. While I'm still a student and freelancing makes more sense than getting a job, let's try it. So. You know, it, I, I was always kind of, I had that little voice in the back of my head, like, just enjoy it while you can. And I've been lucky enough now to be doing this for 11 years. So I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I didn't listen to the voice in the back of my head too much, but it, you know, I think it made me appreciate it more because I thought, you know, if I'm going to one day not be able to do what I love and get, you mm -hmm. know, a, a more traditional job, let's enjoy this. So there wasn't so much of a plan except let's do what, what I would do for free, basically. In other words, it, it evolved over the years. Yes. Oh, totally. So at some point, you decided to make it a business. You decided to bring on people. You decided to grow it. And what was that turning point that said, I can do this. I'm going to bring people on. We're going to make this thing happen. Can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. So it started out really because I didn't want to disappoint my clients. So I had a client who said, Hey, can you do graphic designs? You're writing me these great social media posts. Can you do graphic design? And I knew that wasn't really my strength, but I had just talked to some friends and I knew that they were looking for a freelance position. So I thought, Hmm, let's make the connection here. Let's see if it works. So I told the client, Hey, I don't do graphic design, but my friend here can absolutely do it what do you think? And she said, yeah, sure. That sounds good. So we tried it and it worked great. And I thought it was really cool working with my friends as well. You know, these are people I took classes with and now we're working together too. So that was pretty awesome. And that again, it just, so then my, my parents have owned a carpet business on main street my whole life. So I went to my father and I asked him his advice as an entrepreneur. And he said, become incorporated, go to the SBA, ask them if they have any resources. I took some courses with them and stuff like that. to learn the right way to write a business plan and to, to grow my business. But again, it was one of those things where it, it wasn't super planned, but SBA definitely helped me. My dad helped me, but it was following my passion and following what made me happy, I guess. Okay. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as I, I listen to what you're saying, it's been 11 years now and you started small, you started with just bring, bringing a few friends on, bringing a few friends together. You talk with your daddy, he gave you some suggestions to how to make this thing work officially. All right. So the first one, two, three, four years started going on at some point in time, the business had to be more than what was in your mind. How did you start to, to think, I need procedures, I need systems, I'm bringing these people on board, I can't let my clients down, how do I make sure I'm doing this systematically all the time? Can you, can you walk us through that? Yeah, that was the, the toughest part. I would go to school during the day at grad school at this point, mm -hmm. and then I would come home and work from like seven o'clock to 2 AM. And I would be doing work like in between classes as well, going to the library. I had no free time at all. All I was doing was managing clients, managing my team. It was exhausting. That part, I, I wasn't feeling so happy. I was feeling the, the wrath and the pressure. So I wound up going on Facebook and networking with different groups. And I found a woman who specialized in procedures, SOPs, training groups, and getting things moving more seamlessly with companies. So I brought her in and she helped us create SOPs. She organized it so that 
I wasn't overseeing everything. I now have account managers overseeing everything rather than my phone number being the one that clients get. We have specific times that people can call and, and we schedule mm-hmm. things. She organized us to the point where now I work normal business hours. That's an amazing thing. I wasn't able to do that for many years. So in that case, it was knowing when to ask for help and asking the right person for that help. Okay. Well, so you got it on board. You have a system in place. But to me, one of the biggest challenges in business today is establishing a culture and a culture that that really aligns with your vision, aligns with your direction. Help us understand how when you first thought you needed a culture, you were aware of a culture, you thought you need to put one in place and how you went about doing that. Can you share that with us, please? Yeah, that's, that was one. So because I had my college friends, we had that built-in culture, but then as we started growing and we went more remote where at the beginning, I had my home office, people would come by and stuff, but COVID happened. We weren't able to do that. So it was a very different thing where everybody was remote. So, um, I actually hired somebody and I hired her right on the spot. I usually don't do that, but she started talking about ideas for team nights like Jeopardy. And, and she had all these ideas for ways to virtually bring the team together. So I hired her right on the spot and she would organize all kinds of events for us. We would have game nights like twice a month, virtual game nights. We did a virtual pizza party. We had fun throughout COVID, even being virtual. Mm -hmm. Then I wound up hiring an artist to teach everybody in art class. Oh, I hired an impersonator of the Freddie Mercury from Queen. He came and did a virtual performance for us. We do fun things like that. It's a lot of fun. We also celebrate, we have something called Taco Tuesday, where all week people kind of give like pats on the back to people who are doing great work. So let's say, for example, Maria writes a great blog article. James is going to say, Maria, here's a taco for you. And then what we do is we spin a wheel and uh, every Tuesday we award a gift card for lunch to the person who was nominated and gets that. So like little things like that to keep it fun, to keep morale up. We do regular meetings, things like that. And and it it sounds like that was, it, it made the, for lack of a better word, the work environment, the social connection, it sounded like it, that really helped bind, bind and bond that group together. Oh, yeah. The other side I'm curious about though, the values, the company values, your values, and how do you make sure those, that even though you had the bonding there, those values were transferred into your clients. They were consistently your values and not one of your employees' values who was a little bit different than yours. how do you get common values to make sure your ideas were consistent that was going to your clients? Yeah. Well, when I hired that person who came in and organized us, that was one of the first things I sat down with her and did. But also with the SBA in my business plan, they said, write your mission statement. So I had a mission statement, but I really refined it with that woman who came in and organized us. And I realized I grew up in my parents' mom and pop carpet shop every day before and after school. I was at that shop. They, my father is the president of the Downtown Merchants Association. He's very community-minded. Everything with them is small business, community, helping their community. I'm in the sixth generation of my family to grow up in that community. So we're very community-minded, and I wanted that in my business. No, we're not necessarily just working with people in this community. We work with people around the world, but... I like the idea of the small town community where you treat others the way you would treat family. You don't do people wrong. You make sure when I talk to a client, 
I'm imagining this is my aunt. How would I speak to my aunt? Or how would I speak to my grandmother, my cousin? You treat them the way that you want yourself and your family to be treated. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing. And most importantly, I think in, in my industry is timelines, deadlines. We get a lot of deadlines that need to be met with our marketing campaigns, with our writing. So we need to be really timely and we make sure that we keep on our budget on our, on our uh, timelines at all times. And, and how do you onboard new employees? How do you get them on board and onto your culture, onto your values? How do you make sure they're transitioning from a new hire into a valuable contributor? Yeah. So there are a couple different ways that we hire. The first is we have a wonderful internship program. We actually recently did a program where we had an entire class and we had them help us on a project and they learned. And through doing that, we're able to evaluate the students who would be a good, maybe social media creator or something like that. So we've hired a lot of great people that way, where we kind of train them and help them and, and meet them that way. That's more with newer hires with uh, uh -huh. lower level work. With uh -huh. higher level work, we do have SOPs created. We make sure that anybody that we're hiring, most of our, our team members do have advanced degrees in writing, journalism, PR, or great experience. It's not just about school education. There are many other ways to be educated. So for example, our ads expert, she doesn't necessarily have the high academic experience, but she's Google ads certified in all six areas. That's mm -hmm. a very difficult thing to do. That's a free process for anybody who can actually pass those difficult Google tests, but it's really speaks volumes to her work and everything like that. Okay. So when we hired her, you know, we looked at that. So onboarding is, is really about making sure that everybody has the same understanding. SOPs are followed a okay. lot of fun stuff. So 11 years, you've been going at this right now and you sound like you do have a process in place, but along the way you had to run into some hurdles or some obstacles that you had to really persevere and get through. Could you help us know a company grew or was it, was it a, a rotten apple in the, in the barrel that kind of hurt. I mean, help us understand the hurdles and how you got over your hurdles. There have been so many hurdles. When I first told my father I wanted to start this company, he said to me, and he warned me, he said, every day there's going to be another issue. And I thought, yeah, right. He's just trying to scare me. But I will tell you now, if there isn't an issue, I'm surprised. Like every single day, there truly is something. Some of the ones that stick out the most that were most unexpected, the first is probably scammers. We've had people who have hired us or claim that they are hiring us. And then you find out it's fake. That's, that's the world of freelancing where, oh yeah, we'll send the check. No check arrives. Meanwhile, we just did this work for two weeks. So it helped us. Now we make, make sure that we're paid ahead of time, but you'd be surprised that there really are a lot of dishonest people out there with questionable mm -hmm. practices. So that was the first thing to realize. And it's still, even to this day, you do come across some like that when you're working with a large volume of clients that uh -huh. want to be those rotten apples. The second is more recently COVID times, the great resignation. So within COVID, I mean, I think pretty much every team member of mine has had COVID and several of them have had long-term effects. So we have lost them. And the great resignation, they just, they can't work anymore. And this is people who have been with us five, six years. Some of them, people I know personally even, and it's really difficult to lose them and after working together so long. So I think that's a big struggle is now finding folks to replace them who have comparable skills, training them. That's difficult. And it's, I'm glad that we have our SOPs in place, but still that's a lot of work. And then I think the third is definitely trying to find people who have similar morals and values and mm -hmm. work styles to yourself. The biggest one there is probably deadlines. I've worked with a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'll get to it next week. It's like, no, the client needs it tomorrow. So finding people who are driven and motivated is, is challenging. 
those three things you just talked about and you talk about your journey over the 11 years, help us understand how you kept your mental psychic, how you kept things intact, how you kept focus, how you kept perseverance. Help us understand what was going on in your mind through those ups and downs, please. Yeah. Oh, that's a difficult, it is definitely difficult to keep positive. I've done a lot of different things. So I read every day. I read for about an hour a day and I always make sure I read about 10 books at a time, like one chapter from each book in that hour. I make sure that about 25% of those books are about positivity, positive thinking. My father, I keep talking about my father, but he's my business icon. So he's such an eternal optimist. So I like following in his footsteps and he's also there for me. So if I have an issue or something, I turn to him and, you know, he helps me through it. But I, the reading has been great. I do yoga as well. That's great for resetting the mind. I know a lot of people do meditation. I don't, I don't quite do that, but I do my own form of it and yoga okay. and reading. And that really helps. It really does. And also just knowing your why and asking yourself why you're upset about something until you get to the root of the issue is huge. So for example, if I'm upset that somebody turned something in late, I'm going to go in my mind, well, why is that saying? Because I want to make the client happy. Well, how can I make the client happy? Let's do it this way. Asking questions is so helpful. And finally being grateful. I can get upset like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed with work right now. Or when I was a student, oh my gosh, I have no time to do anything. I'm just working and going to school all day until I stop and take a break. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for this. I'm doing what I enjoy. I'm, I'm my own boss. I have the privilege of going to school. This is amazing. I should be nothing but grateful. That's that's probably the biggest mind reset. You said a mouthful there, and I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging on every word you said. And I think there's good advice to, as you pass forward. The one direct question I want to ask you now is, Marissa, what makes you a good CEO? I think my ambition and the fact that I, I feel I do things for the right reason. I really do have my client's best interests in mind. You know, I, I try to work as ethically as possible for both my team members and my clients. You can't always make everybody happy, but I try as hard as I can to come pretty close. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that's great. And so as we get ready to wind down here, what I try to do is, is you successful CEOs, how can you pay it forward? So my, my question is, what tip or tool or technique can you share with our audience that's your parting words of wisdom? Marissa, going out the door, here's what I'm saying to you, fellow CEOs. What would you say? I think being optimistic is not underrated. I think just by having a, a positive presence, you can have a ripple effect on your own team and on your clients mm -hmm. that is going to spread positivity around. It, it really is a, a an underrated value that is going to help your business and, and really everybody. That is great. So are there growth plans in making for Dr. Rishi's writings or are you okay where you are or are you still trying to grow? Well, I feel a little bit of both ways. So I, I'm happy with where we are. I would be grateful if we remain where we are, but am I happy to grow as well? Absolutely. We are working on securing some government contracts. I was just named one of Forbes 30 under 30, which is leading to other opportunities. I was just named a member of the IBPA board where I get to travel with that and with Forbes. So we are growing, thankfully, but even if we stay where we are, I'm happy. Wow. That, that is great. How can, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on pretty much every social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. My name is Marissa Schwartz everywhere. You also have my website, drrissi.com. That's me. Wow. You know, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And you come across very bubbly. 
as I've talked to you. I mean, I could see the optimism in your face as we're talking, but also hear it in your voice. And you had a smile on your face the entire time I've been sitting here talking to you, and I thoroughly, thoroughly have enjoyed it. I wish my audience could see that smile also. So she's a very charming person, fellow CEOs. But Marissa and I would like to thank you for joining us today as an audience for the CEO Secret for Executing Strategy. Every week, I try to have another successful CEO who's operated their business to over seven figures of revenue each and every year. So please plan on coming back next week for my next guest, CEO guest, where they share their secrets of success and strategy. Until then, we will talk next time. Marissa and Wayne signing off. Wayne Washington here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. If you are a successful CEO of a seven-figure project-based client delivery environment and would like to be a guest CEO on the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast, please visit www.ceosecrets-execution.com and apply. If today you learned a tip or a technique to apply from my guest CEO, other CEOs would appreciate your sharing this episode on social media. To do that, just take a quick screenshot with your phone, then text it to another CEO or post that screenshot on social media. If you know of other CEOs who would be a great guest, text them and let them know about the CEO Secrets for Executing Strategy podcast. The CEO you are thinking about would appreciate you including a link to the scheduling website. That's www.ceosecrets-execution.com. We are regularly putting out new episodes. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe today. Remember, your thumbs up rating or a five-star review goes a long way to help promote the show and would mean an awful lot to me and my team. Do you want to know more about my company, Grow Company Profits? Go to our website at www.growcompanyprofits.com. You can also follow me, Wayne Washington, on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to having you back for our next episode.